Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. This is episode 253. I'm really excited. This is my first interview after Creative South, and I always get pumped after Creative South. I've been talking to Ian about Creative South, and I, I just love Ian. So let me tell you a little bit about why I love Ian. He's really easy to talk to. He's really transparent about his process and, and his business. So this is the last interview before we start the Scaling Your Business of May. The whole month of May is about scaling your business. But I told Ian, I was like, this is really a good intro because we're really talking about, you know, going from full time and then with a side project and a side hustle to a, you know, going to part time and then working mm -hmm. that and how, how that kind of works out. So Ian is the master behind a podcast called Logo Geek. If you haven't ever heard it, it's amazing. And then also just a community. He's built a community about around people, other people who love branding and all the things that go around it. And he doesn't say that he knows everything. He's definitely, um, but he knows a lot and he's done a lot and he's done a lot of work and he is really fast. Um, I remember I asked him how quickly he can get through a logo, which I'll maybe ask him again so that he can mm -hmm. answer that. But he's going to take us through his process, which he kind of gave me a little sneak preview. So I'm really excited. It's the first time he's doing a video one and definitely the first time um, doing live. So I'm mm -hmm. excited. And I hope you guys will help me welcome um, Ian, and if there anybody has a question, just stick it over in the chat and let us know where you're coming, you're calling in from today. That'd be great. So, Ian, welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Yeah, hi Diane, and hi everyone. It's a real honor to be on the show. So, thank you for having me. Anytime, seriously. So, we'll just get into it. So, mm -hmm. where um, did your love for branding and logos kind of come from? And you know, what's your design story? So was, did you always like logos? Yeah, like even okay. as a kid? Okay. Uh, that's, it's a really interesting story. Cause I, I guess, um, it's not my only passion. Um, like growing up as a kid, I was always very much into drawing and, and generally being creative. So I was that kid making plasticine models of like Wallace and Cromit and, making different models of things and drawing and like entering, you know, competitions and occasionally winning them. Um, so, you know, generally growing up, I was very, very creative and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I went on to college and, and in terms of my studies, I was always very much focused on art. So I always wanted to do something creative. Um, I, I didn't actually go to university, but the very first job that I, I was able to get was as a print finisher. Um, so there, there was a couple of guys who would basically print out artwork and, and myself and, and this other guy, we would take that and uh, finish it. So what we was essentially creating was these pop-up stands. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to an exhibition and had these pull-up bands. Yeah, yeah. Stands. So my job was to take the printed rolls and um, encapsulate that and uh, you know, to cut, cut the pieces out and, and turn it into that. But I was in that job for only a, a very short period of time. Um, and I, I never really felt like, it was what I wanted to do, but I was quite fascinated with what the two guys were doing on the computer. You know, that was really my my first exposure to um, you know any kind of creative avenue. And I think all they were doing was just tidying up 
um, photography. They wasn't doing anything that complicated. They were right. just more technical um, people printing. But that kind of opened my eyes to, to what, what I could potentially do. Um, but in that job, <laughs> and um, I, I feel to some degree that my career path kind of changed because of this. I, I actually cut my finger really badly because <laughs> uh, what we needed to do was um, take printed rolls and actually cut them up. So what, I, what I did is I uh, was slicing on uh, rulers and I actually cut my finger really badly. So um, I wasn't particularly enjoying that job. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was apparently quite common to cut yourself quite badly um, just because you're using knives and blades and scalpels all the time. So it's very, very common. I thought, I don't want anything to do with this. And... Uh, yeah, at the same time, I, I used to ride a moped. So this is like when I was 18. So no, it's quite a while back now. Um, I had a moped and, and uh, going home one day, uh, I had a car pull out on me. So I, I hit that and uh, I couldn't get to that job anymore. So I had to leave that job. I had no choice. Um, but it, it wasn't too bad because... I was still living with my um, parents at the time and uh, I just got the first job that I could find. So I spoke to my best friend at the time, bearing in mind I'm like 18, 19, quite young. And um, he worked in a warehouse and it was like 10 minutes down the road from me. So I got a job there, but I actually, um, I, I told the manager at the time that I want to do something creative, but for now, um, you know, this job will allow me to get used to working with a team. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> I, was in, I was in that job working in a warehouse for only like six months. It was, it was quite a while, but not that long. And uh, the, uh, the CEO of the company came down and one day just asked me casually passing by, Ian, I understand that you're quite good at drawing. And I said, yeah. I am. And he went, okay, and then walked off. <laughs> I didn't really understand why. Um, but uh, what happened at that time is uh, someone then came down and they offered me like a three-month trial period uh, within an office. And um, a very small percentage of that job was working on posters. So at that time in my life, never touched a Mac before, didn't know any of the software. Um, but I was really excited. <laughs> um, so it was only three months trial period and uh, I was, I must've been like 19 and I've never been the most confident of uh, people. So um, it was 90% admin and that meant picking up the phone and booking hotels and uh, yeah, it turns out I was really bad at everything <laughs> <laughs> apart from posters so because I was there for three weeks they just basically gave me all of that stuff <laughs> uh, so I, I could just sit there and learn the software and um, you know I was I was really fascinated with all of the tools like uh, I had a really old um, Macintosh one of these ones with the giant screen and <laughs> yeah. they, they were colored and it wasn't a colored one it was oh. even older <laughs> <laughs> it was really, old. it was really old at that time, um, but it it just had Quark Express. Um, mm -hmm. InDesign hadn't come out at that point. 
Right. It was still um, macromedia freehand, maybe. Yeah. But I remember one of the first jobs they asked me to do was to draw some pictures of uh, these medical traits. And what I did is I opened up Illustrator and thought, okay, how does this work? <laughs> and I just took the pen tool and I was just clicking. I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, I was able to kind of cobble together some kind of picture. Um, and then uh, because I was so passionate at home, I, I found these Linda learning videos mm -hmm. and I sat down and watched them. So I was in this really incredible um, position where I had a job where I could basically just sit there and practice and screw up basically. And then I had time at home where I could just sit down and learn. So what I was doing is learning at home, coming in and going, Oh my God, I just learned how to do this. And then I put something together. Did it feel like work? Not really. <laughs> um, well, I mean, obviously there, there was some element of work to it because what they were asking me to do was put together um, posters and uh, what the team did at that point was just draw like stick figures. You know, it was really bad because all they needed to do was create um, posters of the like, tubes and cables and, and products mm. so that the sales team could go out and, and sell this. But anyway, to cut the story short, because I know I could talk and talk about this, um, in that job, I was, I was within that company for five years and my involvement then, because, because my involvement was saving them a lot of money, because at that point they was outsourcing it all to a freelancer, they gave me some training, the team evolved. Um, it started off with that team being 90% admin, 10% um, graphics based. Uh, and fast forward five years, we had our own um, special area. Uh, we like photo studio. Um, we had two other guys uh, working on uh, the, the brochures as well. But it, I learned a lot in that job and it became our team's responsibility to uh, work on all of the brochures. So I, I learned a lot about print-based work and illustration I did a lot of really cool illustration work back then and I, I really enjoyed the actual the the technical aspect of it and mm -hmm. um, so I I've always enjoyed technical illustration um, so that that passion was there so I was there five years then I moved on to um, uh, I wanted to move to a, a company where I could work on lots of different companies um, branding and um, you know lots of different things so Probl I, I found, yeah problem solve for yeah. a lot of different people instead of just one company so going yeah, from in-house to agency yeah, or yeah, design team firm. What, what I found is, is being with a with, within uh, an in-house team for five years you, you get to a point where you start redoing your own work mm. because everything like when, when you first start, it's exciting because you're redesigning all these new things. But then suddenly, once you've been there a certain length of time, you kind of hit this glass ceiling where you're just redoing the work that you've already done. And just everything becomes quite boring. And you, you, I got to a point where I felt like within like six months, I didn't do anything sub substantial for my portfolio. So I was really hungry to do something new. Um, so I was really lucky and I, I, I found this job, uh, a web design company. Um, I, I relocated and 
um, I, I became their, their first, um, I think I was called lead creative, de lead creative designer. Um, and I was the first uh, UK based person that, that they had. There was only about four other people in the office. And um, I've been with the same company now for about 10 years. It's, it's the company that I work part time. And um, I, I kind of gone from just doing my own thing to creating like the whole processes systems getting involved in, in marketing. So I've done things like exhibition stands, animations, videos, uh, logo design, um, lots of different things. So uh, that job's been really exciting. I've been there for 10 years. I'm now um, an actual director. I'm on the board of directors for that company. You know, been long. Um, uh, so that's part of the reason why I haven't actually left that company yet because I'm so, so much part of the company pulling myself out of it is, it could be detrimental to the company, you know, and I don't want to do that to them because it's not fair. So that's one of the reasons why I'm still part-time. But you've um, also been able to grow at that company. You've still been able oh, yeah, to be challenged, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because we we've got some really exciting uh, projects there. Like very recently we worked with uh, Barclay Card on uh, a, a new website for this um, product called BPay. And um, I kind of, you know, it's it's mainly me working on that project and presenting it to them. And uh, as you get on these, as you get onto these bigger projects, you work with larger teams and you work with these organisations. It can become quite political, but you learn how to deal with different characters and mm. different types of people and stuff like that, which has been really useful for um, freelance. Absolutely. So let's. So when did you? Because you're still at your job. You're doing all kinds mm -hmm. of things. Web mm -hmm. branding. You're doing ads. Probably a, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Within within that job, is anything um, visual that they need? That's my responsibility. Um, we've got one other guy that I work with that's based in uh, Lithuania. Um, so between us, we do quite a lot. But I, I'm in the fortunate position where I generally get all of the. Um, bigger projects. <laughs> cool. So when did you start loving logos and branding? Yeah, I just realized I didn't answer your question. No, but... no, it's so good. Okay, that was so, an awesome story. Um, so as for where Logo Geek came from, so whilst I've been working in these different jobs, I've always liked to practice. So right from day one, um, I mentioned that I was watching these videos and uh, what I would learn at home, I would kind of apply to work. And I've kind of had that uh, approach ever since I've been working. You know, I, I, I don't think I've ever really uh, not done that. So when I first started out, this was... Um, it could have been like CD graphics for companies on MySpace mm -hmm. <laughs> in those days. Uh, so sometimes I would just do, you know, logos or CD covers and stuff for bands for free. Um, and uh, I kept doing these these little bits and bobs for, for free, some like illustrations and stuff like that. And there was a point where I started volunteering uh, this, um, I think it was called my no i can't remember what it was called but there was this club in uh swindon where there was a couple of guys they were doing these like workshops for children and they were making games they were making films and and all sorts of stuff and at that time they were animators 
And uh, I really enjoyed going to this club. It was, it was so much fun. You know, you've got little kids running around and, you know, you sit down and uh, you help them make uh, films and, and uh, do whatever they want to. So I, I, I got to know these two guys really well. And um, they went from being animators to building iPhone apps and games, you know, because this was the point where that was a new thing. And I think Angry Birds just came out and, a, you know, a couple of guys made a lot of money. So they wanted um, to kind a piece of, of that pie. Yeah, yeah. So I saw that they were doing these and I just kept hassling them going, God, if, if there's anything that I could do to help with this, I would, I would love to get involved in that. In that. And um, they, they kindly um, allowed me to get involved in that. And uh, what I started to do with them at first with some backgrounds for some games and they loved what I did. Um, and they, they came back to me and said, Ian, if you've ever got any ideas for a game, we, we'd love for you to, to pitch it to us and get involved. So I came up with this idea for a game and um, kind of answer the question. I, I worked with them for about four years on this amazing project. But freelance, right? Four so years. I didn't get paid. It was it was on the but side, it, right? Just but it's fun. on the side, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, on the side, I started working on this game. Um, I don't know if you have the pictures. I sent over a couple of pictures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll pull them up. Yeah, we. Go ahead. So we I'll... worked on we worked on this game, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and I I kind of got into the routine of just working very uh, frequently um, on this game. But I I did find with that particular project, it was quite exhausting. <laughs> yeah, there's a few different things that we did. Yeah, I this think, one. Yeah. yeah. So this one, um, so this one is um, Gihu. So we built this game. So we uh, worked on the levels, all the um, different bits and pieces. So you can see here, this is like little character, um, little items. With a game like this, there's so many different elements and assets and, and bits and pieces that you have to create that, uh, we worked on this like on and off for almost four years wow. and as much fun as it was it was also a little bit exhausting so at, at the end of doing this I I wanted to get involved in something else so yeah, I, I was just fed up of working on a project for so long and right. I kind of I kind of made my mind up I I think I just want to focus on my full-time job and, you know, find some other hobbies to do or something. It, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was fun, but it was exhausting. It's a lot of work. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of work. Um, but yeah, so where the logo design side of things come in was, um, it was about two years, like two weeks after um, stopping this. And I, I just got an itch for doing something new. Um, I felt bored. I'm like, I want to work on something, but I don't want to work on anything long term. And um, I was speaking to a friend at the time and they said, Ian, you've always been quite good at logos. Why don't you look at that? And I thought that's actually a good idea because it has the illustration. So you can see a lot of that work that I did at that, that time. It had a lot of illustration based work. I always quite like technical um, work. So a lot of the work I was doing at that medical company I mentioned was a lot of technical product illustrations. So it had that in there as well. Um, so it had this nice balance between illustration and, and um, 
you know, fairly technical work. So um, I thought, yeah, this, this works because what I could do is take on a project when I want and within like a two week period, I could actually finish it off. Which is pretty um, fast. So, yeah. <laughs> I actually do them quite a lot quicker than that. <laughs> right. Um, usually a, a, a project, I would say, uh, within my free time, I could take one on and, and I could wrap that project up very quickly. So that was an, uh, the main motivator. Um, I then, uh, I, I got to know a little bit about online marketing from the company that I work at because they, they have a... Um, an online marketing team within the company and I, I used to sit quite near them and me being me, I just tend to absorb um, conversations happening around me. So I learned a, a fair amount about online marketing from them. So I know I needed a website and um, I, I set one up just for fun. Um, like <laughs> the logo design stuff was always meant to be just for fun. I never um, imagined it being what it is. So where logo geek came from i wrote down all these domain names mm -hmm. um and i wanted logo or logo design in there in some way um because at that time with online marketing um you needed your keyword in the actual um domain name so i wrote down all of these things and at that point there wasn't any of these new um domains right um, it was like was net common dot co right. uk yeah. and uh, there, there wasn't a lot out there. So I literally wrote down hundreds of things and you try it and nothing was available. There's absolutely nothing and it was um, frustrating. Um, but I literally got to the end of my list and then I had Logo Geek and I thought that is not going to be there, but I'll try it anyway. And it was available. <laughs> so that's where the name came from. Um, I, I just registered it. Um, I throw together a WordPress website and what I planned to do um, was just to do some bits and pieces for fun so uh, to take on projects for like friends and family anyone that w would want it um, I never planned to actually um, charge much money for it um, boy but... did that really uh, <laughs> yeah. blow up on you then because <laughs> um, so uh, Dave's saying he has about 90% of the same books and Dave Clayton's in here. And so he was like, Oh, when you said Swindon, he's like Swindon. Mm -hmm. whoop, whoop. So um, a bunch of people are saying impressive book, book collection for sure. So you being in into type and into mm -hmm. um, logos and branding, you still do the, the research and the work. So you really yeah. found that this yeah. was a huge passion mm -hmm. and you didn't start out thinking logo geek was going to be something, anything, maybe what it was. I have no idea. You know. Right. So tell people kind of what it is and, and when you started the podcast and, and now you, I mean, it transitioned, you transitioned from working full-time at the mm -hmm. company that you're still at, but you're now working part-time mm -hmm. to, because this was taking up more of your time, right? But, and you yeah. were, you started charging at some point for your work. Oh yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Can you repeat what the actual question was? I want to make sure <laughs> I answer it this time. No worries. I know I didn't really, I was kind of rolling around. So when, um, Give them a little bit of an idea about what Logo Geek yeah, is okay. now, I guess. Okay. Um, so Logo Geek, there's there's actually two sides to what I'm doing. And um, that's that's came out of the result of allowing the company to grow organically. 
So one side is where I offer logo design um, services to uh, companies. Um, I primarily focus on logo design, but obviously as part of that, um, I might build a brand identity um, and, and potentially work on other areas as well. So I've got one a fairly big client at the moment where I, I did the Lego and I'm doing a whole load of packaging and um, clothing and all sorts of stuff. It's, it's really cool. Um, so there's that side um, and that's, that's where the bulk of my income comes from now. Um, and then the other side um, of the business is more of a community um, and as part of the community, what I'm, working on is creating resources to help people learn logo design essentially so i've got a long-term strategy for that side because for for me um i've also got a really strong interest in community building and online marketing and uh, seo and stuff like that so i kind of created a platform where i can um fulfill what I really enjoy doing. Um, so hopefully that's answered your question. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we, uh, Dave, we already talked about you before you got here, not live, but we talked about that he does use astute graphics stuff. He said he couldn't mm -hmm. do his job without it. So yeah. a little plug for astute graphics people, it'll be in the um, show notes. But one thing um, that, I, I want to ask you, and it wasn't in the questions, but I, I know some people in here are also not, um, they didn't go to school for this. So do you ever feel like, I think some people who, I don't believe you have to go to school for this, and I'm an educator, so it seems a little funny me saying that, but I actually really think you probably have done more um, digging deep into logo and just all these books you have, even if you're just looking at pictures, you're, you're spending so much time really studying, learning about a, co a company that does that ever come in? Cause I think maybe it's just, um, you know, like I didn't ever study illustration. So now I feel like, well, I'm not really an illustrator. Do you know what I'm asking? Like, does that ever yeah. come into play? Uh, do, do you, does that hit you in a place? Cause I think other people, feel bad like they feel like well I wasn't trained in this so I can't call myself a designer do you, do you know yeah, what I mean I'm, I mean it, it has in in the past I, I wouldn't say so much now um, but I, I think when you are looking for work especially if you want to say work in a branding agency I always had this feeling like I'm not good enough to join that I'm not worthy mm -hmm. you know like even even though I had a lot of proven experience and, and the portfolio to back up what I what I'd done. Um, if I didn't hear back from that company after applying, I just assumed it's because I don't have a qualification. And I don't know if that is actually the case, but I personally feel that is probably the case um, that some companies might potentially um, look for that. But now I've been in in the industry for some time. I I think having a qualification doesn't mean a great deal if you don't have the skill to back it up because when um with the company i'm looking for when we're looking for people the the actual qualifications means nothing you know right, right their, their portfolio is what's important their attitude and general approach is 
most important. And I would like to think that a lot of companies actually um, take that route. So you could have someone that has no experience. They don't, you know, they've got no qualifications whatsoever, no experience. But if they have a portfolio that is just incredible and they were a nice person, you would just employ them, you know? <laughs> right. Um, I I think it's just something people get hung up on and it's, I think it's part of their self-talk that's negative mm -hmm. instead mm -hmm. of it being like, Hey, look what I've done. Cause I do mm -hmm. believe you can learn. Uh, Paige said there's so much to learn outside of school. There's absolutely so much to learn outside of school. And I think if you're passionate about it, that's a great place. And that's one of the reasons why you created the community and all the stuff that goes along with oh, yeah, absolutely. Logo Geek to help mm -hmm. people, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I find with, with logo design specifically, when now that I've got the community and I'm starting to connect with more people, at university, they don't teach you anything. <laughs> you know, like, um, I might be wrong, but logo design specifically, they might teach you how to execute something, you know, so to, to use the tools. But in terms of the actual physical approach to creating a good logo, I rarely see that anywhere. Like the 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 way that I've learned is by reading all of these books and um, mm. spending time actually physically practicing. You know, like uh, I had no idea how complex typography was. Um, I've I've spent a lot of time learning and and looking at letters, and and I still feel like I could learn more and. Me I feel too. Like I could probably spend my entire life learning and still not know um, everything. Is um, typography is very complicated, but once and I don't think that ev I, I I do feel it's a skill. Like I, you know, you could go and you could study it. Someone can teach you it, but I I still think even then you might not know how to draw le letters accurately because I think the way that you learn is by studying and by doing. I I don't think having a qualification will actually help you in that instance. I, I completely agree. I think you can have a degree and never do anything with it. And it means mm -hmm. nothing. You mm -hmm. have to do something with the skills that you're given. And I think, I think it's a, it's a bad thing that we go through in our head. If we let mm -hmm. that control what our abilities are or what our, our, how far we think we can go. Cause I, Oh yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Cause there are times when I honestly feel like I don't necessarily know what I'm doing. Um, and, and I assume that everyone has that, that same feeling, you know, that's self doubt. And I think that's important to have because it pushes you to keep learning and it pushes you to try and find, you know, the way that you can be better and it pushes you to keep practicing. Um, and I, I think if you didn't have that in you, you would just become content with what you can do and you just sit down and arrogantly right. put work out and say it's the best thing ever. So I, I think it's important to have that. So there's uh, so many people, so many people in the chat. So Dave said he left school at 16. He's completely self-taught through research experience and practice. David Gallo, same thing. Well, he went to, did a BFA in graphic design, but he's still learning. You know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, Kim had to tell herself that she will never know everything and neither will mm -hmm. anyone else. And I think that that's it. If they can figure it out you can figure it out. And it, Yes, we are always learning. And I just think that I wanted to say that uh, mm -hmm. so that other people and, and you know, and that, and I think you know it, like, I think you believe it and you've said the correct thing in your head, like, well, we're all learning. So I just, yeah, everyone is learning and uh, anyone that says that they are the expert is, is lying, you know, 
<laughs> no one can possibly know everything. All we can do is, you know, do our do the work to the best of our ability based on our current experience and just keep making an effort to to learn ongoing. You know, Chris Doe says he's somebody who you've had on your show and mm -hmm. um, he's coming up in May for for me. And he always says, you're, you know, because people say that, well, I'm not an expert at this. I don't feel like I can write a blog post or I don't feel like I could do this. Or he's like, you got to teach what you're learning right now. And I think that mm -hmm. that's such a wisdom because we're always learning. We're learning how to be parents or we're learning how to be, you know, spouses or friends or whatever it is, an illustrator for me. Mm -hmm. And I think it's okay. It's okay to be at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I just think, I I'm, thank you for answering that because I wanted I wanted to bring that out because I feel like you have a, a good level of your confidence. Um, I don't know if it's always been that way, but you are confident in your work and it doesn't matter if you have a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So take <laughs> us from that. What was it like when you, cause a lot of these people are working for themselves or they have their own company or they're the only lonely at a, um, mm -hmm. a, their, a corporate agency or something like that. So what, what point did you get to where you were doing so much with Logo Geek, either doing work or building the community that you were like, hey, I got to go part time? Okay, so the way this worked, um, I, my, my actual goal, um, my, my career, I always just planned to uh, stay with the company and work my way up. So my goal was always to work in a branding agency and maybe come, you know, creative director, art director, you know, like just move up the ranks. Um, so my side venture was never there to push me to actually go freelance. And in fact, the, the entire concept of going freelance um, has been incredibly daunting and, and still is. And I, I can't believe I'm actually part time now. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I was working on Logo Geek and um, like I said, I, I didn't plan to actually grow it, but everything was just growing. I, um, I, I started working on my Twitter and I remember when that hit like 8,000, I got invited to be on the jury for something. Um, that caused a spike in, in my web traffic. So I started my, my website traffic kept growing and being into online marketing, I'm like, Okay, I want to work on that more just because I'm interested and it's kind of it's, it's kind fun. of like a game. Yes. <laughs> it's like how can I get on page one of Google? So I've always <laughs> I've always had that in me like I don't want to get on page one of Google because I want to lose a business. I just want to be on page one of Google because I know how, you know. Um so that was always my my driver, but obviously by pushing your numbers up and pushing everything forward for fun, right? there's a lot that that happens with that you get all these messages emails um it, like so many emails just kept coming in and the, uh, they they still do and you know having a full-time job that's quite demanding i mean i'm creative director sometimes i get days when i need to stay late and it can be quite exhausting so i would be at work i would come home and then, like, at work all day, my phone would just keep buzzing. <laughs> oh, wow. The phone kept ringing. Uh, my, I come home, I got, like, 
20 emails I need to reply to. You take on a, it was just so much, you know, it's consuming. It, it consumes all of your energy. So mm-hmm. um, at that particular time of my life, I'm like, I have to give up something here, mm. you know, something that's going to give because I'm just driving everyone nuts around me because I keep complaining that I'm so stressed. Um, so, yeah, I, I I decided at one point, okay, I, I'm going to give this up and focus on finding, um, you know, a, a new job in branding. But when you built something, <laughs> you're like, you you can't give it up. Like, the only way to stop um, everything was to like delete my social media accounts, shut down my website, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. So I was always conflicted between these two things, and I was actually driving everyone around me nuts, to be honest, um, because I was just working all the time and never resting. And even when I'm resting, I um, I was working on these two things. But anyway, I was in this limbo point for a long time, and. Um, what pushed me to take a risk was actually something quite personal that happened. Mm. So my mum had d- dementia for quite a long time and uh, she ended up in a, in a care home. So I got exposed to quite a lot of elderly people that were losing their memory and uh, watching someone kind of slowly degrade and um, she, she passed away. But watching someone fade away, their whole mind and everything, it makes you think about life in a different way that mm. I, I I don't believe in the existence of a God or a creator. So for me, life is once and coming to the, you know, realizing that I've only got one shot at this <laughs> and there's going to be a point when I am going to be old and I might get dementia or whatever and slowly fade away. I don't want to get to that point and regret mm. not doing anything and I, I just kept thinking um, a, a lot of people that that I admire um, you know people like Paul Rand Paul Rand wouldn't be Paul Rand if Paul Rand didn't work for himself mm-hmm. um, James Dyson wouldn't be James Dyson if he didn't work for himself you know all these people that I admire wouldn't be where they are now if they didn't do their own thing and, and focus on, on it so I decided I'm going to give this a shot and see what happens. Um, I, I read the book, The 4-Hour Work Week. I read the book, The One Thing. Those two books had a lot of in, impact on me. Um, there was, in The 4-Hour Work Week, uh, there's, um, there's kind of an exercise in there where it, it, um, Tim Ferriss kind of gets you to imagine like the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. So if, if like you lost all your money and you know, you lost everything, like everything just collapsed down, what would actually happen? What would be the worst case scenario? And I've got quite a big family. I've got lots of brothers and sisters. The so worst case scenario would probably be call my sister, tell her I've screwed up. Can I sleep on your sofa? <laughs> so coming to terms with that with that is actually really useful you know that if i if i did this if i decided okay i'm going to leave my job i'm going to focus on my on my own thing in reality what would actually happen is i just call my boss and go 
can I have my job back? <laughs> and they would probably take me back because I'd been there a long time and, um, you know, I did a lot for them. So I decided I'm just going to hand in my notice. I'm going to focus on Local Geek. I'm going to see what I can do with it. I had enough inquiries coming in. Um, I, I built up enough um, presence online. Uh, so I, I thought, okay, I'm just going to push with this and see what, see what I can do with it. So handed in my notice. Um, I did it by email. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, they, I was, I've been with the company at that point for eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, like I said, you know, the first person to, to be, be in the office in, in the UK and obviously the owners were quite upset. You know, they mm. see that coming. They so sat down with them and, and they said, to be honest, we would like to try and keep you. What do we need to do? And I, I was honest with them. I said, I'm really sorry. I just have to do this. It's something I, mm. I really want to do. And um, so my boss just asked out of the blue, one of the first things he said, would you consider part-time? And I thought... Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't hard to think about it because what what it allowed what it allowed me to do was to have a stable income, but to also have time, and it was the time I wanted. Like, it was never so much about money. I just wanted time to build what I started and and to focus on that. So. That to me was like win-win. It worked for them um, because, I mean, I was there. I was full-time anyway, but a, a lot of what I was doing would be bigger projects and then lots of other bits and pieces. Just stripping out the bits and pieces and just focusing on the big stuff made the job more interesting too. And um, yeah, the two days a week to work on my own thing, that was really good because it, mean, it meant... I could practice freelance because I'd always had doubts about it, you know, Mm. um, actually managing your own time, managing everything, having to do, having to deal with absolutely everything um, about a business is actually quite hard. Um, I learned a lot about myself actually going freelance. Um, So yeah, that's literally how that went. Um, and I'm I'm still in that same situation. I, I quite like the the balance of having a job where I could go and spend time with t- people and work with a team and work with bigger clients, and then I could come home and um, work on what I want to. I, I'm I'm really lucky that the three days a week I, I relocated as well at the same time. So I I moved up north in the UK, so living costs less my three days a week actually covers my living costs. So I could actually just work and chill out the rest of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It allows me to kind of take on what I want and work on the projects that I want. So I'm in a really good position. So the stress is a lot less because you're not trying to juggle so much, but you got to a point where you (laughs) wanted to take it to that next level. You wanted to feed that feed logo geek and get it in the sunshine Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. and this was a great kind of uh, a marriage between you and your 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 company so Mm -hmm. take us through a little bit of your process Um, and I think we're always evolving our process right Um, but yeah 
take us through. So you use these really, you have a big desk and you use these really big sheets of paper. And I asked you to pull out some, so you're going to show us. And then if you can take us through the PDFs that you prepared, that would be awesome. It's worth um, kind of talking through my process. I think what you said about always changing the process is, is really important because I, I'm constantly thinking about different ways of doing things, but Oh, so real quick, Andre wants to know where you live in the UK now. He's been to Manchester and Leeds for comic festivals. I'm, I'm just on the outside, of, on the outskirts of Manchester. Okay. So short, short train journey from Manchester. Cool. All right. Back to you. <laughs> okay. So in, in terms of my um, process, um, I, I might change it, but the, the, the way that I work at the moment is uh, when a client comes on board, what I do is I, I require specific information from them. So I want to know, I want to understand more about their business, who they are, what they want to do, who who their competitors are, who they want to target and lots of different information like this. Um, Because I am part-time, I I find the most practical way of gathering this information is with a questionnaire. Um, I have seen people online quite commonly now talk about getting rid of the questionnaire, but for me it's worked um really well and uh why i prefer over actually having a physical conversation is that it gives them time to think about it Mm -hmm. uh, especially with a lot of startups sometimes they don't know the answers to the questions right like some of the questions i'm asking a lot of the time they've never even considered it so um yeah so i actually send a questionnaire so i'm going to actually take you through a real project Great. Let's see if I can do the screen share thing. <laughs> it's it's really cool, and he just kind of quickly went through it um, earlier. So I'm excited to hear about it also. Yeah. Okay. So where's my Zoom? Sorry, we'd get that with this eventually. No worries. Take your time. So, okay. So can you see this? Yes. So this is the questionnaire that I sent out. Um, it's, it's an interactive uh, PDF. Um, so I asked the, the client to complete this with as much information as possible. So this is actually um, a completed questionnaire for one particular company called TN Education, which is a client um, of mine from a few months back. So I'm asking questions about uh, what the name of the company is, um, what products or services they offer, um, how many years they've been in business, who their competitors are. I've already filled, oh yeah, it's not previewing all of the things. Um, if there's a specific story, um, especially to visuals, I'm basically just learning more about their, their business. And if for whatever reason, you know, they, they miss anything out, I might ask further questions. But right. in most cases... As you can see with this particular example, they've actually given a lot of in-depth answers. So, you know, really helps me to understand um, about their business. And you can see this last question. I always ask if they have any specific preference. Mm. I think it's useful to, um, useful to actually get that out from the beginning because sometimes, you know, a client might come to you and they are actually expecting something. <laughs> so I think right. it's good to ask that question. Otherwise, you end up putting together all this work and you present a solution 
But if it doesn't match up with what their expectations are, no matter what your process is, they just won't accept it. Because at the end of the day, the client is paying you. And if they have the expectation, just get it out there. And if you feel it's totally wrong, you can at least um, explain it. So yeah, I've, I've got this completed questionnaire. And then what I do, let's see if I can share the next thing. What I then do is I turn this into, yeah, I'll stop the share. Yeah, so what I then do is I turn those responses into like a tick list of goals. Um, so when there's a, you're saying what is your preference, are they sending you images or are they? Oh, it, it depends on the client. Like what I try to do is my, my process is like a, a goals-based process. So what I'm doing is essentially creating a strategy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like an in-depth strategy that I would like to start looking at, but by creating a set of goals, I can, I can define who their target audience are, competitors, who they are as a business, all this different information. So based on their responses, I can put together a set of goals that I then ask them to approve. So I do have, let me share my screen again. Um, so that questionnaire... I then put this, I basically take all the information out and I rewrite it into like a tick list essentially. And I ask the client to approve this and by asking them to approve it, this is essentially the brief and our goals is to um, create something uh, that is based on these goals. So you remove yourself and the client from personal preference. Mm -hmm. Our goals is to achieve what's set out here. So you can see like here is, it just clarifies who the company is, um, what they do, who their competitors are. Um, so there's lots of different things. And, and what I do is I kind of tr treat this kind of like a tick, tick list. Mm -hmm. So when I'm working through my, my design process, I am essentially trying to translate what's in here into a graphical representation and when I present this to the client I will I will go back to this so if if the client does request any changes I try to make I try to steer them towards achieving specific goals mm -hmm. so it becomes more strategy based rather than um, just based on cosmetics and personal preference. Right. One, one of the biggest struggles with logo design is um, people have opinions and it's very subjective. So if you want to do a proper job, you have to try and separate your, your preferences and the client's preferences from it and right. achieve specific goals. That's really hard, but I'm starting to get the hang of it and um lately a lot of my clients just pick and agree something straight away which is um, an amazing situation to be in so are you so, how many are you presenting how many options or is that in part of the package they get one option five options um i i tend to i like to present options and i do see sometimes people present just one um but I don't believe that there's one, there's always one solution. I mean, you can have 
what you believe is the the best option based on what you put together. Um, but I like to present three, um, and I can show you that shortly. But I thought it would be worth kind of talking through like the the next step. So what what we've got so far is we've got a brief, so we've got a tick list. So what I would now do is spend some time exploring different ideas, and what I'm trying to do is translate that um, mm -hmm. brief. So there might be very simple things that I might just pick out from, from that questionnaire. Sometimes it might be that it needs to be high-end. Um, mm. like I'm, I'm trying to find a specific aesthetic. So this was this particular company, TN Education. They are targeting fairly young people. Um, so it'd be people like 18, about 18, 19, quite young, quite a young target audience. So you'd want to, you'd want teen education to kind to have an aesthetic that's quite fun, but mm -hmm. very professional and established at the same time. And trustworthy, because I've seen the final piece and there mm -hmm. is, there's, it, it has those elements in it. So it's not something. Mm -hmm. So I, I also like to try and try and sometimes put some story within the logo or some meaning of some kind. Um, the actual solution to this one doesn't have that. It's a fairly um, simple solution, but it worked really well. So um, I do a lot of sketchbook work. So I, I've I've got a meet, I've got a three meter long desk here, um, and I. I like to work on really big sheets of paper. Um, I know some some people sketch in little um, books, but because I've got the space, I just like to be able to just sketch every idea. And when I'm working, I sketch down everything I think of, even the really bad things. Um, so sometimes I might think of something that's not even that original, but I'll just draw it down. And um, I've, I've found when... You know when you think about things, um, in in my mind sometimes I might imagine something, but when I start to look at the details, I realize that the actual image that I'm picturing is quite foggy. So I prefer to actually put everything down on paper because I've I've realized that sometimes in your mind something might not be a good idea, but when you actually see it on paper it's like, oh, there's actually something to this. You know, so with TN education, the first thing that came into my mind was a big TN with education, you know, and it was a rubbish idea, but actually kind of the, the final thing kind of stemmed off from that. So um, I've got loads of these, but this is the type of thing. So I would just take a big sheet of paper and draw lots of different ideas. So sometimes I might um, do like a, a mind map or word, I use word association. So I can, I can put a word in and then I kind of stem words out and that, that helps me to um, picture potential things. So the, the one that I've shown you here, that was for a company called uh, Cargo Log Logix. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and I started to look at cargo and online shopping and, you know, so things like, sounds boring, but like trolleys, like anything that kind of came up, 
like cargo flight planes. Um, all those associations just went down. Sometimes they might be rubbish ideas, but sometimes when you think, when you start to look at it, you can come up with ideas based on those specific words. So I just keep sketching like everything. I, I might work on that for like a day. And any anything that works well, I'll, I'll show you that again. I start to highlight. I don't know if you can see the highlighted. Yeah, thing. yeah, the ones where you've circled the yeah, ones so that I are. Think it's not always necessarily a finished idea, but there's something to it that I feel could be explored further. So, um, yeah, I normally spend about a day on that, and uh, normally I have a good handful of very solid ideas and then that's when I would sit down and work in illustrator and I'm trying so, to take the idea but but get that that aesthetic that I'm looking for so that like with that particular one that balance between something established and trustworthy yet fun <laughs> so how long does that full process take of them filling out the question or them sending you an inquiry you giving them the questionnaire and then you coming back with that just that um, part of the process, it, how long does that depends. take? Um, so I tend to, so with, with my projects, I've got two days a week that, uh, realistically that I can work, work on. I mean, I've got the weekend as well, but I try to keep that free when I can. So I've got two days. So I, I just book in one project a week. So sometimes I might have to book the project in like two, three months in advance. Um, just because I just don't have the time. So I just book in one a week. Um, and it, I mean, if, if say my diary was free and a client got back to me today, I could actually spend time this evening writing those goals. If they approved it, I would then sit down tomorrow and then on Friday I'd actually present something to them. Wow. So I generally work fairly quickly i can actually show you an example of what i would present um, yes please yeah so um so this is for tn education this what i'm going to show you now is is an example um presentation if i can see it they're blowing out screens in the room next to me so it's really loud so i have my mic on mute so that it doesn't distract, hopefully. Yeah, no worries. So I'm just trying to do this share screen thing. So you're a really fast decision maker. I think so. I think so, for sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so let's put this full screen. Yeah, so can you guys see this? We don't see it in full screen, but if that helps you, great. We still see it in the regular oh, okay. thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to abandon that then so this, this is an example um presentation so i i, I sent i sent something over um as a pdf uh sometimes i do spend a little bit longer on it it depends how quickly the the ideas um come up like right. sometimes sometimes i can do like this in a day you know it, it depends it's really down to the project like sometimes it just Sometimes you can sit down for a day and nothing comes together and it's the most frustrating thing ever and you wonder why you started this side gig. <laughs> um, but most, yes. of the time, most of the time, uh, things come together relatively quickly. So this is a, a, an example presentation. So is this kind of, is, 
with these presentations, are these kind of a template and then you just kind of put the stuff yeah, in yeah, there? Yeah, I've got everything. With, with my logo design server, everything is templated. So I have template emails. I just copy, change a few bits, copy, paste, edit it, and then send it out. Um, all of my emails throughout the entire process is just all there ready. So, um, so I, I have one more question about this. Yeah, Are sure. you, so you do stuff for people all over the world and yeah. So sometimes when I've presented like this, I just send them this and then they don't, maybe I can't, I should just let you present this, but I guess somebody's like, Oh, well I always just send it to them right before we're going to have a call or right before. Is that part of your process also that you um, have a scheduled? Well, if, if I was full time, I would love to um, do it that way because I, I do think it's better to be on the phone, send it over and then go from there. But being totally honest, what I actually do at the moment is I send it on email. But what I do is um, I use WeTransfer, but copy and paste the link so I can see when they downloaded the file. Um, and um, yeah, I, I do a, the, the bulk of the communication at the moment by email, but if I was to go full time, I would, I would, I would actually probably do this over the phone because I think it's good to present it and explain through things. But I've been really lucky. Like um, a lot of my um, clients lately, like in the last year, a bulk of the time, they, they're always impressed. Um, they normally just pick one or, you know, ask for, you know, to see it in a different color or something. You know, the, the, the right. feedback is fairly minimal. Um, All right. Show us. I'm yeah, excited so, to see. Okay. So, yeah. So this is uh, tea and education, what I went through. So I do three options. My um, slides are really simple. So option one, what I do is I, I hmm. so the first slide is showing the potential logo with a few notes. Mm-hmm. So they can, they can read through this. So I do it this way because I don't always present it to them like one-to-one. -one. Sometimes I have that call. It depends on the client and it depends on like my schedule. I, right. I can't always, I, like I can only really have in-depth conversations on a Thursday or a Friday. Um, so it's, it's reliant on, on the client. But I present three. So with with each logo, I'll show it on its own and then I'll show a few mm. different examples for how this could look. So you Are can see those based on what they're going to need it to be? Like, um, like if it was for a brew pub or something, would you show it in signage? Outside? Yeah, I mean, yeah. roughly, yeah, pretty much. I, I use a tool called Live, Surf Live Surface and um, it's, a, it's a plugin for Illustrator so I can put these together really quickly. Um, I use a lot of the same things just because, you know, I, I want to get these, this done relatively quickly and it's a nice way to present it. So it's, it looks good and um, I get it done quickly. Sure. Um, so at this point, uh, a lot of the work is kind of, I know it looks complete, but also it's not 100% perfect. Like I know sometimes the kerning could be improved or whatever, but for the terms of presentation, it's, um, it's, client doesn't know that you're not going to waste no, that no, no, time no, no. Yeah, doing that until you get to that final stage okay so, yeah for each option I present how this could possibly look so like I mentioned with this specific project I'm looking for that aesthetic where it's a, a, a balance between um, 
something kind of fun and quirky, but also quite established. And I, I feel this particular one works well for that. And I don't know if you can see the the English flag in here as well. Ah, yeah. <laughs> like the, the idea with this one, um, what what the company do is uh, they they help international students come to the UK to settle in and to get into a university. So they might find them um, like a place to live. So this is like an arrow coming into the UK. Mm. <laughs> cool. Works yeah. really, really nicely. Um, so I do three different options. Three. These are quite different styles. So this one feels more established. It, the The idea of this one, the TNEN, is kind of like a corner of an English flag. I don't know if that's... Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing again quite a different um feeling this one's more it feels more established than the other two and then the third option is this one which i felt was like the the youngest of the three it feels more like you could actually imagine wearing this and you'd feel that you're part of um something quite fun and funky and but all you can see it's established (laughs) So this this is actually what we went with in the end, uh, and the, the, this particular client was was amazing because uh, we did a lot of the presentation actually on the phone with this one, and they was really torn between the first and the third option. So I'm just going to quickly just carry on through the slide. Yeah. Sorry, how do I move us out of the way? Because I can't. Yeah. Oh, I think. <laughs> yeah, I I've got it. Okay. Yeah. So with the last slide, I, I put the three options um, and that just means that it's easy to see them all together and you can compare and um, you can actually see this similar aesthetic between all three. Mm-hmm. Um, but even myself, torn between one and three, um, I was kind of pushing more to option one originally, but talking with them, uh, they they did start to question whether they would always actually just be based in the UK. Mm. So the first and second option in that case kind of, we started to steer away from that. Um, but anyway, but what, what we did with this, it was really great. He was um, open to ideas and, and suggestions and it was at the time... Uh, uh, shortly after I, I interviewed Marty Newmar for the um, podcast, so I'm going to put the stuff here. And um, what Marty spoke through how you would test a logo, and he spoke about this concept where you take a sample of your audience and you present one mm. or two options to them, and and you start to ask specific questions to the audience and. Um, this particular client was in this amazing position where he could actually t- do that. You know, he could he could work with students and ask them specific questions. And he took my advice on board, um, so kind of gave him consultation on the best way of doing it. And the results was really interesting. So he monitored even the age of people, and mm-hmm. he found that the first option was the most popular overall. But when he separated the demographics, the target audience loved the first one by far. <laughs> it was wow. like, um, I think it's like 80% of that demographic actually chose the third one. And 
it really cemented the, the choice to go with that. And yeah, the, the general feedback and everything has been amazing on that. And I was able to uh, mock up of how things could look. So you know how it's got the gradient, they can actually use the two colors within marketing and um, form the, the early foundations of what could potentially become a full-on identity. Uh, so, yeah, so once the clients kind of agreed it, I then present, I, I then, sorry, I then create a set of uh, files for them. So files for print, files for web, put them all nicely organized. Um, I, I prepared different lockups. So with the TN education one, there was uh, one with the TN and the education to uh, the right that you saw there, but one with it underneath as well. Um, white version, black version, right. um, inverted versions and so on. So I create files with all of that, send it over. And if the client wants me to speak through it, he will or, um, or not. not. Um, so I did talk about payment. I know. So, <laughs> so tell us, tell us when I, we're going a little over. So we'll have to break this yeah, into a sure. part two for the rest of them. But tell us about payment. And then Kim also wanted to know about um, how did you pick the colors? Okay, so the payment, I take 50% payment up front before starting anything. Um, and then I take the final 50% payment once they've agreed the logo and, and just before I send over the files. And uh, I've tried other ways, like sometimes I've sent the files over and then sent an invoice. But what you find is because there's no incentive for them to pay, you have to, you'd end up waiting like two weeks. <laughs> but if you uh, don't send them the files and you need the payment, they always pay immediately. So I, <laughs> I've, I found that the best way to, to get payment. As for picking out colors, that's a good question. Was that always I hard? I mean, because you have some logos. You have some logos that are hand done, it looks like. I mean, you have a wide range, so people need mm -hmm. to go and look at the site or look at some of the images that we posted for promoting the show because it's a wide range, um, and you're not always – you know, sometimes people tend to pick similar colors, but you're really doing type and colors that are really for these clients. Yeah, so what I do is I, I look at their competitors. So what you need to do is you need to understand – the landscape that this company would uh, fit into and um, how you like one of the key things with a logo or an identity is differentiation hmm. so if I mean ignoring everything else if you want to stand out do a different color <laughs> to what's out there so for example drinks cans if I say red what's the red can on the shelf Coca-Cola. The blue, the blue one. Pepsi. <laughs> so those two are a fairly well positioned. So what if you came and you did, um, probably not the best example, like a really neon green. <laughs> um, I mean, it's probably it's like iron brew or something, but so I'm trying to think of a different color that's not there. But if you, if you suddenly did something that was different, that immediately allows um, people to identify you based on the color alone because um, based on it, it kind of varies from company to company like smaller companies it's less important bigger companies you have to stand out otherwise you end up 
claiming ownership of a color that someone else already has within your market. So you have to look at what else is out there and do what you can to differentiate. Um, but it has to be relevant. So, you know, if, if you want, if you're working for something like a therapist, a therapist wants to look established and professional and trustworthy. So doing something like a bright pink just wouldn't work. <laughs> right. So um, there are only specific colors that would look, that would have that specific aesthetic. So typically like blues and, and greens and uh, dark colored blacks. Um, you don't have a huge amount to, to work with. But you can always try to look at what's out there and to do what you can to make it look different. But someone like a therapist, it doesn't really, they don't have to, it's, it's not like a product on a shelf where you want it right. to out. So, um, yeah, the, the way that I would choose colors is A, if you can differentiate, you can, but then also try to fit within that demographic. Um, I try to get a specific aesthetic and a specific feeling across. So sometimes you know that specific colors are not relevant. So you can kind of roll them out. And to be honest, there aren't actually that many colors to work with. <laughs> right. Um, and I know there's an unlimited amount of colors, but then at the same time, if you want something to be fun, mm -hmm. if you really want it to be fun and friendly and um, energetic, like reds, greens, no, um, sorry, reds, oranges, and yellows work. But if you start going into greens and blues, it's cooler and more mm -hmm. serious. So if you think broad like that, it allows you to kind of narrow down what your potential choices are. Um, and then the rest is just picking something that looks nice. Right. <laughs> use your own personal judgment. But if, if you are aware of the competition, then you, from a strategy point of view, when you're presenting it, justify your choice based on that. Don't say I picked it because I liked it. Right. I mean, that does come into play, but look at the target audience, make it fit in there, but allow the company to be re represented in the right way. So what about if a company comes to you and is like, oh, Ian, we love what you did. Can you do packaging for us? Or can you do an ad campaign? Or mm -hmm. what do you do in that situation? Okay, so it's, I, it's quite challenging, to be honest, because um, some, some services I have, I've got everything templated. So I've got the quotes templated. I've got the uh, contracts templated and so on. But Sometimes it's, if it's something totally new that I've never done, it requires just more work and sometimes I just don't have the time for it. But a lot of the time it's the same things, you know, like people want business cards, stationery. Um, so I've got quotes for stationery. I just, you know, um, I've got pre-template emails and they quote if they're interested. Uh, same process, 50% down payment, 50% when it's done. Um, I typically arrange the printing and just quote it separately. Um, I don't, I don't tend to add a markup, but I know I probably should. Um, I don't either. Packaging it with, with labels. It, it depends on the client, like the client, I, I've got a client at the moment who is based in the U S and I've done labels for them. I've had to have conversations with them where I get these, the, the spec and the, the requirements and so on. 
this and I, I, I design it and, you know, we go from there. If it's something I can't do, um, something like a website, I could build a website, but it's not really worth my time. Um, I've got people that I work with. I send it over to them. I take 20% commission. So sometimes I've sent over like five grand projects and got 20% and it's like, um so i i i refer projects quite frequently um i've actually got a really cool system set up so i've got um an assistant um and they respond to my emails and uh, part of the way that they get paid is they refer projects to other people um that i've sourced from the community and i exchange the sale for 20 percent commission so when they get paid they they send over 20 percent it works for them because a lot of the time they're just adding on that 20% to the final cost. Um, but it allows me to pay someone else to do something. You know, it's, it's a nice way to do it. And it's also, you're able to utilize the community in a way, right? So, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, and in a good way, so you're giving them work, you get to work together and then you focus on branding and some, some basic things that, you know, you can, uh, mm-hmm. put out quickly but you're not doing a book or something crazy yeah, some, sometimes like I, I, I mean I, I can do bigger projects but it's it just means I have to like sacrifice everything else and right. if a project is too big it's just not worth it I'd rather just pass it on to someone else who has the infrastructure and uh, the quote system and everything just all set up ready to go um, because just with, with logos, I've literally got everything. I've just got a framework and I just follow through. So, um, I am able to, I'm able to complete the project pretty much in two days. Sometimes it drags on a little bit longer, but it's like half an hour to tweak or whatever, you know, it's, it's a relatively small job. So niching down in the way I have done where it's beneficial is that you can create a process for yourself that you just follow and you can you can put together high quality work within a very short space of time and make a decent income. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're going to have to talk about the community next time. We'll have I'm to have a part to. two. <laughs> so thank you so much, Ian. I'm going to make sure You're that everybody welcome. knows how to get, um, how to connect back with you. Mm-hmm. So you can always go to logogeek.uk and that's just L O G O dot. No, I'm sorry. L-O-G-O-G-E-E-K dot U-K. Um, and I'm going to put that over in the chat and that'll also be in the show notes and underneath. Um, you also have a blog, which really does talk more about, we'll get back into that next time. Um, mm-hmm. The blog covers all kinds of things that people who, things that you've learned, right? Or are learning, you're sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried to. <laughs> and then on Twitter, you are logo underscore geek. Mm-hmm. On Facebook, I'm going to put all these in, and there's a Facebook community. Do you want to tell if somebody's really into branding? Yes. Yeah, so um, the community, um, I used to share. Well, I still do. I share a lot on Twitter, and I'd always called that a community, but it's a one-way conversation. So I wanted to create a a place online where people that are following me could all come together and get feedback and learn from from one another. So. Um, it started off, yeah, so it's, a, it's a Facebook community and um, 
focused specifically around logo design and it's growing so fast. I can't believe it. Uh, there's nearly 4,000 uh, designers in there. I'm filtering the people that are coming through. Um, it's only about nine months old now, but it's grown at an, an insane rate. Um, Will Patterson just did, did a shout out and I keep getting loads of requests today. So it's just growing. <laughs> That's I don't awesome. know what's going to happen with it, but it's, I personally think it's the best community on, right, online around logo design. Um, there's a lot of Facebook groups, but a lot of them are incredibly poor quality. But I put a lot of time and effort into moderating the group and doing what I can to create a high quality place where people can learn, get feedback. Um, there's lots of heavy hitters in there. So Von Glitchka, um, mm -hmm. he's in there, I think every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you're getting feedback, you're getting, it, it's a positive environment. So, mm -hmm. but you're getting, uh, some feedback as well. And then also encouragement, I think. So I definitely want people to know about that. So there's a Facebook page and then a Facebook community and it's a group's slash logo geek and then mm -hmm. the facebook page is just logo geek and then mm -hmm. instagram is logo geek no underscore mm -hmm. the only one that's an underscore is twitter and i'm then trying the to get the I, uh, logo I know. Geek, but it's it's annoying because it's been there for the last like six years and the person that owns it um has never posted ever why can't i have this i own the trademark i own everything else <laughs> i know well just watching please <laughs> <laughs> so, so then people can also follow you on itunes with logo geek the podcast um there's um stitcher uh soundcloud and spotify mm -hmm. all those are over there um under uh in the chat and they'll be underneath this youtube video dave clayton just i'm gonna <laughs> um share this if anybody wants a 15% off Astute Graphics, which of course uh, Ian uses and Vaughn, Vaughn has a code, Vaughn15, that anybody can use. So you get Can I just quickly say how I use it? Yeah. So there's Tell one me. tool. I mean, there's loads of tools in Astute Graphics, but there's one tool that I, I use it for. And it's, it's, it's kind of like a brush that just removes... Um, uh, points all those extra points yeah, right? yeah. and so, so that you can just clean up your work so if, if you've got a circle and it's got all these redundant points in there and you just want the nice four handles you can just brush them out <laughs> it's I, I don't know why illustrator doesn't have it have it in there if i'm honest so vector scribe, point removal, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's one of Vaughn's problems with Illustrator, right? That they don't remove these things that would really make it. Yeah, it'd be better. nice if there was just a button and it just, you know, perfect. <laughs> but not for Dave. He wants you to keep buying from Astute Graphics. <laughs> so, Ian, thank you so much. And just so I think this is great. I definitely want to have you back on so we can really dig into scaling the community because I think you really you talk to us about scaling your business which I think was really it gives us such a great um intro into the next themed mm -hmm. month so I'm so thankful you were able to come on and then I just uh love having you on I'm really excited all the other things that you've shared with me and that I hope people dig in and see that you can actually make something happen just with a side project, which. Yeah. I, I think it's worth just quickly adding to that. 
um, the thing that I found is small daily actions towards a big goal is how it works. You can't do everything in one go, but if you just keep, like every day, just spend like 15 minutes to half an hour working on your thing, it will happen, you know? I, I just personally, like I built this huge thing and I, I haven't invested hours and hours and hours in it, you know, just put in bits of time here and there, but I know my end goal, so. Right, I think knowing that working. goal is, in, is really important for sure. So. I um I'm gonna just so you guys know you can always rate um, design recharge that always helps us get seen so that would be a great way or give us a thumbs up on YouTube or like it on SoundCloud or whatever and um, you can always email me I do answer emails it's Diane at rechargingyou.com and um, I will see you next week we have Bill Beachy which. His book is over there, so I can't reach it. But he uh, does Go Media in Cleveland, and he started off working in his parents. Um, he started his own business straight out of college, working in his – he was still living at home. And he's kind of gone – gotten big and then gotten back small. And then – so he – but he, one thing about Bill that I love is that he still has his hand in illustrating. He still has time, makes time. And I think, I think you do that well as well, Ian. You've still, you've built this thing, but you've also made time to still make logos because it could just be the community, but you don't want to do that, which I love that you still want to kind of keep your hands and feet in the water, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Anyway, I'm super excited that we had Dave came from the UK too and Andre from Portugal. So we had people representing all over. We had a ton of Americans on here. So thank you guys for all um, celebrating my birthday with me and I hope you have a great day. Thank yeah, you. So thank you everyone. It's really nice to spend time with you. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you next week.